0: Welcome. It's a special episode on SNMA Presents the Lounge. You know the vibes. You know who I is. Dr. Aldwin Samari, a.k.a. White Coat Poppy, a.k.a. Enriching Doc BX. I don't have to say much more, but this is a real, 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 real special guest because today we're here to talk about the importance of the Minority Association of Pre-Medical Students with Jonathan M. Tuxillo, the National Pre-Medical Board Member Chair and National MAPS Committee, and Hannah Cameron, president of the Davidson MAPS chapter. So before we get on to the questions, I'm gonna let you guys uh, introduce yourselves. Uh, Jonathan, you can start first and then we'll go with Hannah.
1: All right, perfect. Um, Thank you, Dr. Samari, for having us. Um, But my name is Jonathan Uh, Truxello. I'm a fourth year at the University of Texas at Austin studying humanities, uh, and I currently have the privilege of serving the Student National Medical Association as the National Pre-Medical Board member and chair of the National MAPS Committee. Um, it's an honor to be here, um, but I'm gonna let, go ahead and let Hannah take it off from here.
2: <laughs> Hi, my name's Hannah Kamran. I'm uh, the president of the Davidson College MAPS chapter. I've been involved with this chapter over all four years of my undergraduate education, and it's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, well, we're thankful to uh, have you here, as was mentioned, uh, and you know, the bright lights The shine, the action, the glitz and glamour, AMEC 2023 is about to be here. And, of course, we thought it would be so befitting to highlight MAPS, even for myself. You know, I'm not trying to date myself, but I was vice president of my MAPS chapter at Rutgers Newark in Newark, New Jersey, back in, that was like 2011. So, you know, I'm a real old head, but I've always had a specific, uh, you know, respect, rapport, uh, appreciation, and admiration for what MAPS stood for. Uh, MAPS is a crucial part, as we know, of SNMA, but I wanted to ask Jonathan, would you mind telling our listeners more specifically about what is MAPS and its mission and purpose and the role it plays in the larger organization of
1: SNMA? Yeah, of course. Thanks for asking that question. Um, In terms of MAPS and our commitment to our pre-medical students across the country, um, MAPS plays a very instrumental role within the organizations one specifically to ensure that we have um, recruitment of underrepresented minority pre-medical students um, throughout the country um, really matriculating into medical student medical schools and eventually becoming physicians again like whenever you mentioned these statistics all the time um, there the current demographics of the ph- uh, physician workforce are nowhere near um, the current po- uh, representation of the actual population that they do serve. Um, so in terms of uh, what our purpose is with, um, in general, um, we really are focused on enriching the academic and professional development of minority pre-medical students, underrepresented in medicine, and increasing like, their knowledge and their skills and experiences to ensure that they are competitive applicants whenever they are ready to uh, apply to medical school. Um, additionally, at the same time, uh, from a sustainability standpoint, um, our pre Pre-medical students and uh, MAPS members of the organization are going to be our future leaders of the Student National Medical Association. I mean, our medical students right now are there for between one to four years, um, but then after that, then who's going to take on these um, additional leadership roles? So we play a big role within uh, making sure that our organization is going to last for uh, years Mm -hmm. to come, as well as ensuring that we have a diverse uh, physician workforce. Um, MAPS specifically was founded in 1989 by Dr. Jeffrey Sterling, um, but we've had even our commitments within the organization for pre-medical students well before that. Um, even my role as National Pre-Medical Board Member, I think the earliest that we I can see that it was documented was 1979. We've been mm. doing this work for decades, um, mm-hmm. and I think our chapters have been able to really showcase um, how much we've grown throughout the time our existence, with, even within the organization. We have over 250 chapters now, um, even though that we started um, officially in 1991. That just speaks to the impact that we have as an organization at large.
0: and I love that you mentioned the history. I mean, I know uh, there are several former pre-med board members that are actually my mentors. So it's crazy to think like the history behind, um, you know, uh, the PMBM position and also the role that MAPS has played. Uh, for you, speaking to, that you know when i came into snma and maps and i didn't even realize that there was a whole overarching structure you know uh you have your pmbm you have all these different roles that people have to play and it can be quite complex and convoluted but it's great in terms of what their organization represents but uh could you detail more about what your role is with maps and also being on the board of directors for snma as well
1: yeah of course um, like you mentioned, MAPS is definitely in every uh, position, every almost every meeting that we have. Uh, specifically on the board of directors, we really do serve as the voice of our pre-medical students throughout the organization. Our board of directors really consists of you know, our national president, vice president, uh, professional board members, or regional directors, as well as our national committees. Um, specifically, uh, MAPS also uh, serves as a national committee within the organization, but our primary focus is really on developing those skills and um, experiences that our pre-medical students are going to need you know whenever they are applying to medical school um, in terms of the different activities that we do we have various webinars that we put on for our pre-medical students we try to make sure that our students um, have those experiences especially when they come to their uh, regional medical education conferences like you mentioned before we ha- we're about to have our annual medical education conference so we're planning for that um, really making sure that they have breathtaking experiences, having mentorship, uh, doing the logistics of mentorships and making sure that they have like those connections. Um, we do, do a lot, um, especially we also have different programs throughout the entire organization, um, such as, you know, our PMI, our Pipeline Mentoring Institute leads the Clinical shadowing Mentorship Program meet having so many um, different sessions focused on professional development uh, learning about different specialties specifically for our pre-medical students um, especially with being on the board you have an opportunity to make sure that the decisions that you know you make as an organization how do they impact our pre-medical students in our MAP chapters that may be, uh, be a little bit different than how they do impact our medical students in the SNMA chapters so always being that voice and that ear within those conversations is pretty much what, why we always gonna, or, are always going to need that PMB in position Oh, yeah. For, there's no doubt. You know, those Sunday meetings, you guys,
0: I mean, I've been through it, you know, with my position as osteopathic committee chair and being able to work with, um, you know, the PMBM in the past has been an astounding thing, uh, knowing that the pipeline, as you mentioned, is so critical for SNMA and its leadership, but also like seeing how engaged and, you know, how confident a lot of uh, the individuals that are part of the MAPS committee as well and along with the PMBM um, is, is quite uh, impressive. Now, we spoke to the on the national level, but we also got to speak also on the local level. Uh, and that's speaking to Hannah. You know, we know that even with organizations that have strong leadership, it's also important to cultivate things from the ground up. You know, starting from the individual, then starting from the local chapter, and then we go on to regional and then national. Um, I want to ask you, can you share some of your early experiences with MAPS? And then second, what made you eventually decide to join your chapter's leadership team? You're muted. That's all good, don't worry.
2: Sorry. Um, One of the things I really appreciated about MAPS was Davidson is a very small liberal uh, liberal arts college in the South, it is fairly homogenous. And I think that, you know, having that small community of people who are, you know, from minoritized backgrounds, but also people who recognize broader issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion is really key in order to just survive and thrive in an environment where you might be different from your peers and you might encounter different barriers. And so I found that the mentors I had through MAPS at Davidson, you know, other individuals who, um, you know, were not uh, the kind of like typical member of the Davidson student body was incredibly helpful. And it helped me find my footing in medicine. I think one of the barriers for, you know, students is often not seeing yourself amongst Mm. you know people who go on to succeed in medicine and so having a mentor go through that process and help me overcome barriers individually kind of in line with you know the mentorship aspect that's present maps that's present that's present in snma at all levels including local level um that was incredibly helpful for me and that's what motivated me to join the leadership team to kind of further those goals and take a data-driven approach to assessing the issues that impact our students specifically. And I think that allowed me to hopefully see the barriers that I face that MAPS, you know, I felt like could have provided more support for and provide that support.
0: Yeah, great. Uh, Great responses. And I I love that you talk about your, your prior experiences and importance of continuing to cultivate the future and be involved with MAPS. But as you mentioned, being the maps chapter, you know, being representative of the maps chapter at D. Davidson College, you know, Steph Curry with the shot, you know, that y'all to Steph Curry the game, honestly. Y'all killing it. Um well, how has the chapter, the maps chapter at Davidson College lived up to the mission and purpose of the national maps organization?
2: I think that that question has shifted as, you know, the pandemic has happened. It's shifted as even the local environment at Davidson has changed. Um, You know, before I was a freshman at Davidson, there was maps and then separate in a different kind of category was Alpha Epsilon Delta, which, you know, there is a move to try to move away from kind of honors programs that have strict fee requirements at Davidson as part of you know an, a move towards greater equity so mm-hmm. that people can participate regardless of their ability to you know pay a fee um, and I think that maps has been in that role of doing equity work for the longest time. Mm-hmm. there's been you know long-term engagement. I work with our current pre-medical director um, dr. Nyla Mamoon and she has done phenomenal work in you know setting up long-term mentorship. When I took over the mentorship aspect of the program, which is typically run by our vice president, I was vice president last year. And we really, you know, even though we were coming back from COVID, expanded the mentorship program on a campus of 2,000 people to include 100 students, which is a pretty significant wow. portion yeah. of pre medical students at Davidson. And I think that it also really demonstrated just how important the issue of mentorship was, and particularly for students from marginalized backgrounds and how people were really willing. They were, you know, they wanted to provide that mentorship to others and help them overcome those barriers. And we've expanded this year um, to now have physician mentors for students who come from marginalized backgrounds and house that program within the career center. On top of that, we, I actually worked to set up more of I I restructured the way our local chapter functions and that now we have committees that kind of are very similar to the national structure and that now students, they don't have to be in an exec board role the way that they were in the past in order to meaningfully engage. You don't have to be the president of the organization to have a say in what we do. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the whole, to me, the purpose of, of SNMA as a broader organization, it's taking those grassroots issues and approaching them at every level, institutionally, you know, collaborating across all of the different years in which um, one pursues their medical education. So we have support from our Weak Forest partners, our uh, Weak Forest SME chapter. And I think that, you know, the MAPS chapter at Davidson, by kind of focusing on that mentorship aspect and focusing on how it can best provide resources targeted to the needs of minority students, um, has really kind of been in line with the mission and purpose overall.
0: Uh, what what are some of the pro- programmatic events that you host to execute uh, a lot of those goals? And you did mention some collaborating with uh, Wake Forest and as well as um, having, which I think is wonderful, especially at an early time period to have physicians and medical students that mentor directly the students within the MAPS chapter, because it's hard to envision and see yourself being in that role unless you see it directly, you feel it tangibly, you're able to interact with it, Right. When you're taking Orgo and all of these classes and a pre-med, you're kind of aloof to that until you are, in essence, in that seat, in that position to really challenge the way you think, challenge the way you see things. So uh, speak more to some of the events that you continue to host as you execute these goals.
2: Yeah. So we have hosted a lot of different kind of diverse speakers in the past. One of the things that we really focus on is inviting speakers who are not only physicians that are from minoritized backgrounds, but we host people who are kind of like national leaders in the field of medicine and health. So um, we had the director of the North Carolina DHHS mm. in previous years come and talk. And we've also arranged events that are focused on like collaboration with the local community as well, getting you know those like, opportunities to volunteer and engage at a community level. And start that early on so that, you know, one of the things that the medical school application process really looks for is that community engagement aspect. Mm -hmm. And because of a variety of barriers that's not equally accessible to everyone, particularly if you're in an environment where, like, if you don't have transportation to go volunteer at the hospital, to go volunteer at, like, the nearest local clinic, and, you know, there are communities in need near the Davidson area that have been neglected. Um, you know, historically. And so having event programming that works at the local level to provide, you know, like public health education campaigns, that was something that was happening, um, you know, even when I like just joined MAPS as like a freshman. And it's something that we're continuing right now. I'm working on setting up regular service Saturdays where we have students that volunteer at a variety of different local clinics in the area. And trying to do it in a way that is equitable so that students can access it even if they don't have cars, even if they don't have, you know, transportation that is available on campus. Um, We used to have an Ada Jenkins free clinic and that shut down, unfortunately, during the pandemic. But that was where the majority of students who didn't have cars and were also really interested in working with a local community went. And so we're trying to fill that gap that was left behind as the pandemic has shifted things around and closed down a lot of those traditional programmatic opportunities. And so we're trying to kind of repopulate that environment and do so in a manner that addresses different student needs.
0: Jonathan, I'm I'm sure that it could be such a challenge to coordinate strategic goals for a national organization while also supporting chapters on the individual level. From your perspective and experiences, what are some of the most common challenges that MAPS chapters face today?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting question because I've been on both sides in terms of being on the, a board of, like, my local MAPS chapters as well as uh, serving on the board of directors for the organization at large now. Um, in terms of some of the challenges, I know one thing, just as Hannah kind of alluded to, is it's not about um, the work and doing uh, managing the programmatic structure. They got that down. They got that right. down. But um, I think what I've noticed are some of the challenges um, and what I've documented have been, one, has, has been funding to really make sure that they are, um, their organizations um, have the financial means to do whatever they want to do uh, for that administration or even uh, attend different regional and national events. And then two is, I think as students, I think this might be like their first role where they're starting to... Um, maintain administrative components of their chapter within the, within the larger grand scheme of a national organization. But I think those are pretty much the, one, the two challenges that I think in general that chapters face. Um, I think whenever they transition um, every year throughout leadership, some of that administration administrative tasks um, aren't always communicated to the next chapter president. And then mm-hmm. they still, again, start they continue to do the work, but I'm not sure if it's always um, reflected or known within the larger organization. But Overall,
0: I think those are the two biggest challenges. Hannah, in many ways, the MAP chapters are both a reflection of the national organization and the academic institution where they're located. So how some of the challenges that Jonathan just previously mentioned apply to your particular chapter at Davidson College?
2: Yeah, so when Jonathan mentioned, you know, transitioning between different leadership teams and how, you know, there's work being done, but is that known to the larger national chapter? I felt that that was very true throughout my time at Davidson and particularly when I transitioned to becoming MAPS president for our chapter, um, all of like, for example, um, our SNMA email address, that information was not communicated to us and like reaching out to the prior chapter president, like all of that, that was, um, you know, it resulted in kind of like no additional information. So we had to start from the ground up and, you know, go back through filing documents late. Um, And -hmm. I think that we adapted and we're doing work in our community at the local level and addressing the needs of our students. But we have to work harder and kind of reinvent the wheel and making that known to the national organization Mm -hmm. and also finding ways to engage with broader opportunities that SNMA offers, even as a smaller chapter, even as, you know, we're kind of operating based off of kind of the minimal information we received from um, the prior administration. I think that those are certainly some of the challenges that we're navigating right now. Um, But nevertheless, I am working on my end to also make sure the challenges I have faced in my kind of process of transitioning roles, that does not happen to the next administration. So making sure that that information is sustained, making sure that also our contact with our sister SMA chapter at Wake Forest um, who also facilitate a mentoring program, you know, through mentoring the pipeline with Davidson, making sure that that information also is communicated throughout the transition. I think all of those things will result in hopefully whoever the next administration is having a smoother transition and being able to more effectively not only operate locally, but have support that's needed from, you know, the national or regional level if they need it. Because that's certainly one of the issues that we've also encountered is when you encounter barriers at the local level, Mm. but also are kind of struggling to connect to the broader, um, you know, regional and like national level of SMA. Sometimes you can feel you're going it alone, but you're not. It's just a matter of trying to find out ways in which that support is available and access it even if, you know, you don't have that information and that connection maintained through that um, transition period between administrations.
0: What is unique about the landscape at Davidson College to you?
2: Yeah, so I mentioned that our student demographics are, um, you know, somewhat homogenous. We don't have a lot of students from minoritized backgrounds, but nevertheless, we've had a lot of engagement in the past with MAPS and people who have been really passionate about the issues that MAPS engages with. Um, And I think that as, you know, we've had um, kind of the pre-medical society grow and develop on campus and um, change from Alpha, alpha, Epsilon, Delta, uh, we've worked synergistically in kind of the work that we're doing. But as, you know, COVID happened, as there was less long-term involvement between kind of different groups, we had a lot of engagement from people who had been around to see, you know, MAPS, pre-pandemic at Davidson and those people were really engaged with the mentorship program last year. I still, you know, when I went to second look weekend, Mm -hmm. um, I got, you know, mess, like I got, I I had people telling me like, Oh, you're the person who was always in our inboxes, like sending (laughs) us emails from maps. Like they were still on the email list. Um, So they, they were engaged. And I think that with the new incoming class year, I found difficulties in that people think maps is, um, you know, just for minorities. And I think to a lot of people that connotates a different meaning than, you know, being involved with, like, for example, the pre-medical society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people don't know the important work that we're doing and they don't seek it out themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Part,
2: maybe because of the, you know, um, environment at Davidson being a place that is a PWI, a place that is very homogenous. Um, mm. And certainly... You know, there have been, if you Google Davidson, um, there have been issues that we have faced Mm. in the past with DEI work. And that's something every institution faces. Mm. Davidson, in my experience, has been very open to enacting new initiatives in the DEI space. I've been working in that field ever since I got here and, you know, trying to provide more support resources for students from minoritized backgrounds at the systemic level in terms of like identifying barriers and enacting more equitable policies. I think that some of those issues still persist, but that's going to be true for every institution. However, if that engagement isn't there from the next generation, if people don't see the value in maps because they see it as just the minority association of pre-medical students, instead of seeing it as this is the minority association of pre-medical students, but it's addressing these broader national issues and it's part of a national program. It is not just for people who are minorities to engage with. It's something that everyone should be engaging with on campus as they have done in the past. That is, gives us more power to the work that MAPS is doing on the local level, on the national level. um, Everyone needs to be engaged with issues of DEI. Everyone needs to be engaged with issues of supporting minorities in medicine and creating a more equitable environment that's, that's, that's going to be better for the future of medicine for everyone. Um, And I think that that kind of engagement is lacking in that regard. We've also run into issues more specifically about, you know, if people don't see the value, they're not gonna provide us funding, mm-hmm. which means we're gonna to have to limit our programming. If people don't see the value, they're not gonna to wanna to charter us separately from you know okay. other groups on campus that are doing important work, but it's distinct work. It's not SNMA's work. Um, and so like with the pre-medical society, people don't know what we do that's separate sometimes, and they don't wanna engage. And it's hard to reach out to people who've already put up those mental barriers mm-hmm. and who've already blocked off any information they receive in their inbox. And that meant that when we were applying for funding, we got questions about, well, you know, even though we used up all of our budget, even though we demonstrated how we're engaging in these different issues, we got questions about, why does your group exist separately on campus? <laughs> how are you all distinct wow. from Free Medical Society in a way that's meaningful? And th- those are issues that, like, I'm dealing with right now. And we've worked, we fought tooth and nail. I've networked with alumni, I've like talked to the pre-medical office, I've looped in every person I can think of and have been doing as much work as I can on my end. But I still find that when it comes to power dynamics and institutional power dynamics, of course students are at a disadvantage.
1: Mm. And if
2: people don't see the value, if we're not having that engagement the way we did with prior you know, classes, it's going to be an even more of an uphill battle. So that's kind of the issue that we're dealing with right now.
0: Hannah, I mean, I definitely like love the work you're doing and the fact that you're standing firm in your your conviction to advocate for a DEI. It is a huge issue from pre-med and beyond. We even see it in medical school and, and in residency and um, having that seat at the table and pushing forth is one of the most critical things that I think we need to do to achieve that the equity that is necessary for our communities. Uh, We know the statistics, you know, across the range with underrepresented minorities and how that leads to uh, negative outcomes for patients in the future. And sometimes, you know, you got to put your foot on them. You know, you got to put, you know, your your foot on their throat uh, until, you know, they relinquish themselves and understand why it's needed. Why only 5% of physicians are African-American, yet, you know, uh, you know, the population, we make up 14%, right? Why, you know, for instance, the carceral system, you know, black men make up 40%. So there's all these various statistics on why we need uh, MAPS, why we need these various organizations to continue to create these initiatives for DEI. Uh, Jonathan, are you aware of any similar challenges that you find at other MAPS chapters that Hannah has, has mentioned at Davidson?
1: Um, none that I've been oh, that's been brought to my attention throughout this administration in terms of like DEI efforts and the funding. Um, I think it may have been a bottleneck issue with um the regions and making people making us all aware of these issues. Um, typically, I think we do hear um, from time to time there are uh, some issues with local chapters specifically. Um, they may have challenges with funding in general, but the way that it's being presented within Davidson College is very that's something that we have not been aware of. Um, but in terms of like the DEI um, initiatives and the institutions, how they're trying to combat that, that's something that even um, my institution is uh, starting to struggle with. I'm not, I'm in Texas right now. So um, with that, I don't know if y'all saw amazing what, what what amazing governor as cause of all DEI initiatives at uh, public institutions. So um, these issues are still continuing to be brought up day um, day after day, month after month. Um, mm-hmm. Really we're trying to see as an organization, how are we going to start to really start to face, challenge these issues that our chapters are facing at the end of the day? Um, I think there's going to be a really l- bigger turnout, especially with the Sup- upcoming Supreme Court case that's coming up. Not, not really sure where, what direction this is going to go in. Hopefully it still remains in our favor, but I just have to really pray and hope for, hope for better in the future.
0: Uh, when you think about the impact of MAPS and SMA in general, underrepresented uh, minoritized students, what would it mean to not have funded and supported MAPS chapters? Hannah, you mentioned this a little bit, but this question goes to both of you. What are your perspectives on this? Uh. Hannah you can go first.
2: Yeah, so I think, you know, funding and supporting go hand in hand because I think that there's support that you can find from, like, like from alumni engagement. There's support Mm -hmm. that you can find from, like, on the ground engagement. There's support that you can find from the administrative level. And I found all of that. I have, you know, been proactive about reaching out to alumni, reaching out to faculty, and we've had a lot of support from the people that we've worked with. Like, this was, unfortunately, coming from one particular bureaucratic um, process of chartering and receiving funding, and that dictates whether or not we can exist as a separate entity on campus, as well as receive funding as a separate entity, as we have, you know, in the the past from pre-medicine society, but we've had... A lot of engagement. And as I I said, Davidson, um, despite being a PWI, I've found has been very, very enthusiastic about engaging genuinely with issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And there have been so many people who are allies working in this space. You know, it's not, it is something where people who are from minoritized backgrounds are leading the charge, um, but they are supported by allies throughout the way. And so I have found that Davidson has done a lot of really great work, but that doesn't mean that, you know, individual people who raise barriers, it doesn't mean that those barriers aren't substantial, particularly when they impact funding, because without funds, I can't put together resources. I can't put together programming. When I mentioned students having difficulty going to volunteer at clinics because they don't have transportation, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure that they can engage with, you know, that community engagement aspect, even though they don't have transportation, I can't, you know pay for an uber or reimburse like transportation costs or you know put together those kind of things if i don't have funding i can't you know provide food for an event if it's going to overlap with lunch hour um right. if i don't have funding you know even alumni networking events that kind of thing requires funding and when we have you know food the turnout is of course a lot greater on campus. And right. So people will engage more. Um, we have more publicity. It's kind of a positive feedback loop. When you have more funding, you're able to do more things and that gets more people engaged and people see the value. Um, but when one of those things disappears from that feedback loop, it becomes very difficult, no matter the amount of you know, faculty or like other institutional support that you might have. If the people who are giving you money and at the end of the day, determining whether or not you can exist individually on campus, even if it's just one person um, or one body, as it is in in our case, um, it can present a really substantial barrier. And the amount of time that we've spent dealing with this issue is time that we're not putting together other meaningful programming for our students. It is a time drain. It is a resource drain. And it's something that keeps us from doing more important work.
1: I echo everything what Hannah just (laughs) (laughs) said. Again, in terms of funding and institutions not being able to really financially support their um, organizations and chapters on campus, it severely limits the the potential impact that a chapter can have, whether that be, like, again, uh, their programmatic um, initiatives that they have developed for the year or even engaging meaningfully in the community. Because nine times out of ten, how much is the institution engaging in the community that they are housed in. Mm-hmm. That's, um, it, our local chapters are the, really the meat and the bones of the, really the community work that a lot of the communities, uh, surrounding communities need and require. Additionally, when we talk about um, funding, I think about our events as well. Um, going to uh, RMAC and AMAC, these are events that we specifically, Tailor for our pre-medical students to get the most out of we have all of these exhibitors i would say when i talk to different medical students how did they get into medical school they got their um that information from amec we have hundreds of exhibitors around the, from around the country um mm-hmm. where, where people can start to network with admissions deans get their emails connect afterwards being able to get that type of advice that you um require for the application process, getting your personal statement and uh, reviewed and having a mock interview, making sure that you are aware of all of the things that people don't tell you um, within even like the pre-health uh, office. we talk talking about mm-hmm. getting curriculum. What else do I not know about this application cycle? Should I know? Should I, what, what is a core competency? Should I try to include that in my application? There are all of these like little hints and things that you get from the things that we put on it within the organization. And then it address it begins to even still address the gaps that the institutions themselves don't have, but the students no, uh, do notice. So, again, it's supporting your students.
0: Uh, speaking to that, how can MAPS chapters solidify their standing and find faculty mentors within their institutions, Hana?
2: Yeah, so one of the things we found was, Our pre-medical director has done so much work fighting for us and fighting for those connections. When I told her, for example, that like we were having difficulty receiving info from the past administration on like, you know, our SMA email, our documents Mm -hmm. that we need to file for our chapter status, um, even getting back in contact with our uh, sister, like SMA school liaison who facilitates that mentoring the pipeline program. Um, She was the one that really took the initiative and people respond when they see, you know, faculty, they don't necessarily respond when they see, you know, like another undergraduate student just kind of reaching out. So I think that we've had so much support because our faculty mentors see the importance of maps. They see, they know the importance of SMA. um, And particularly like our pre-medical director collaborates We have this pre-health symposium that she helps coordinate every year, every year. It's amazing. Um, And she brings in, you know, really amazing doctors that she has worked with, um, deans of admission at different medical schools. We had Dr. Rahindale from Chapel Hill and Dr. uh, Cedric Bright from um, Mm -hmm. Brody School of Medicine come and talk to our students. And I think that seeing physicians who are from minoritized backgrounds and in Positions of power in positions of change, and seeing the work that they do at their institutions, and having students talk to those people and see see themselves potentially at these these institutions in the future, Um, that's made a huge difference. And we've worked with a career center and have found support there for the physician mentoring program. And they see the importance of maps. They they know about systemic barriers that might prevent math students or minoritized students from getting the support that they need that might be there for, for other students. Um, and so trying to put together programming more broadly that addresses those needs for everyone and then targeting that programming for students who have a greater need. Um, by having those collaborations, we have found so much support from you know everyone that we could at the institution. Um, that has engaged with MAPS meaningfully. The people that work with us know the work that, that we do. They see our importance. Um, and that has been, you know, pretty much everyone. But if you don't engage with MAPS, um, if you are working purely in finance, if you're working purely in a role where you might not work with, you know, the Minority Association of Free Medical Students on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. it's hard to see the importance of the work that we're doing or know the work that we're doing. And so I think that, it is a matter of having institutional priorities in place for DEI. It's institutional priorities in place for helping minoritized students. And um, those are certainly present at Davidson. And we have faculty members and staff members who really, really care about these issues on a deep level. And I think that comes through in the support that they provide. So, you know, it's an institutional culture issue. And I think that if the institutional culture is one that cares, it comes through and that support is there.
0: Yeah. For me, like mentors are so necessary in medicine. And you mentioned, you know, you name job, Dr. Bright. I remember before I even got into medical school, I had the opportunity to meet with him and I would see him at conferences. And those are, he's one of those individuals that you see and he's always like pushing you forth and giving you good words of encouragement. And even when I applied to, uh, at the time, I think he was at UNC Chapel Hill or something like that. Now he was trying to help me get an in interview. I didn't get an interview, but the fact of the matter is like, you know that he he was working behind the scenes to do everything he can to put me in a position to be successful. So uh with that being said, having mentors in your institution, but also finding mentors outside of your institution is so important. Um, and seeing yourself in those individuals and having them come back can ultimately change the course and trajectory of where you find yourself in medicine. So I love that you know uh, Davidson has been able to capitalize on that. But now going to on the larger role in uh, the larger perspective within SNMA, uh, Jonathan, how can the larger SNMA organization and network support local maps chapters?
1: Yeah, of course. So in terms of really our network within the organization, okay, again we reach um, wide and deep. Within the organization specifically, um, really making sure that our SMA chapters and our MAPS chapters really are building and maintaining their connections throughout the year, whether that be through different uh, local mentorship or programs or really collaborating on different community service events. Again, we're all focused on the same mission, so we're uh, defining where there is alignment uh, is really going to be important in making sure that we continue to have those relationships uh, within our local chapters. Um, specifically, within uh, on the National MAPS, uh, Maps Committee, was really focusing on different programs that may not be offered or um, a possibility at, at their local chapter. So, um, I know some students, uh, maybe at my chapter, may have uh, they struggle with maybe trying to find um, different physicians to really uh, shadow, and that's something that's required for medical school applications. So, you know, having that clinical shadowing and mentorship program where students can shadow phys- virtually shadow physicians and really start learning more about medicine. Additionally, we even um, for our chapters in general, uh, we just got the AstraZeneca grant, um, which focuses on nice. supporting uh, local chapters, implementing uh, community, college- community service uh, initiatives throughout the year. Um, so those are some of the ways that I think that um, we are trying to support our chapters. And additionally, we're we'll focused on different partnerships, hopefully uh, in the future, um, really, Building that additional connection with even our NMA chapters, our National Medical Association chapters, which are essentially our physicians. You know, I think we have our physicians, medical students, and pre-meds. I'm um, glad that we have always have our tiers, but really focus on uh, building those relationships as well.
0: What do you hope the future holds for your MAPS chapter, Hana?
2: I hope that the future holds continued engagement and meaningful engagement from the incoming generation of pre-medical students at Davidson. And I hope that that's a future that involves engagement at every level across the institution. I hope that you know we see engagement supporting students, finding those different opportunities, as Jonathan mentioned, like shadowing, finding opportunities like volunteering, facilitating those mentorship connections. Mm. But then also you know, creating a safe space and working in those kind of less quantitative ways—things that you can't necessarily put down on a piece of paper—but you can sense when you're in, when you're in the environment um, that provide a lot of support to students that they wouldn't otherwise find. Um, you know, if they are coming from a minoritized or marginalized background in medicine, and facilitating also, you know, a broader understanding of the importance of so, like, supporting the work that SNMA is doing basically um, across everyone, whether or not they're from a minoritized or marginalized background. And I hope that that continues regardless of what happens in the funding situation, because I do think that the work is so important and really it's so crucial. It can't stop being done no matter what happens. Um, and I think that the support that we receive from our institutional partners, you know, will re- allow us to continue and to continue to do that meaningful work. And that's what I hope happens at our local level. And I hope that the larger MAPS organization continues to really do this important work, recognize these barriers, and work to address them at the policy level. Um, and to facilitate those collaborations across all those different tiers that Jonathan mentioned.
0: And for you, Jonathan, what about the, on the larger, grander scale, the uh, SNMA and MAPS as an organization? What do you hope for the future?
1: I hope that in the future, within MAPS, that we really strengthen this pipeline across all states across the country. Um, I think we have strong chapters throughout um, the country right now, but really making sure that it's leveled in a sense that all of our chapters are strong. And also still trying to build new chapters, whether that be through at the community colleges or even at um, different graduate schools. That's another thing that we're um, also trying to focus on. Um, I think in the future, we also can really focus on building new and different partnerships that we haven't thought of before. I think it's going to be really crucial as we enter our 60th anniversary within the organization with a new strategic plan. Um, Mm. Right now, it's uh, up in the air. And I think that we're going to start to begin grabbing something that might be a lot more tangible that we see in the future.
0: So... uh It's great. You guys have done a terrific work in your respective roles as PMBM, pre-med board member, and as well as Johanna as president uh, at the uh, Davidson chapter of MAPS. Um, But the question of the room right now is, we talked about it earlier, AMAC is about to pull up in the next couple of weeks. Are any of you guys going to be there? And if so, what are you looking forward to most at the conference?
1: Well, I have to be there, <laughs> um, according, to the, according to our PPM. I have to be there, but uh, yes, I guess <laughs> I will be there. Um, one of the things that I'm most excited for is, what I'm always excited for, the graduation ceremony. Seeing all those fourth years and seeing literally the magic and the excellence walk across that stage with their stoles, As you know, they just got um, matched about to become our future physicians. It's a different feeling when you see it in person, with like how many black and brown physicians are about to enter the workforce. That's always crazy. And it always gives me so much inspiration just as a pre-medical student in general. Love it. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I think the first time I saw it was when it was virtual. And I was like, this is, I said, I didn't even know this many people existed. And then when I was like, <laughs> person, I would, it took me to a whole different level. It was, I don't know. It's just a different feeling.
2: Love to be there. Um, Will not be able to be there, you know, Time conflicts, scheduling conflicts, but yeah. I'm hoping that we can get more Davidson people there in the future.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I've been going to AMAC since uh, 2015, since I was in New Orleans when I was a pre med student. And just because of that conference, I made countless connections. And as was mentioned earlier, even, you know, uh, meeting with uh, deans of admissions and things that I like for medical school, but even on top of that, while I was in medical school, I've gotten residency interviews um, in the past because of uh, going and attending AMEC. So it is definitely one of the greatest shows on earth. I said, I ain't missing not one AMEC in the future. I'm going every year. Even when I'm 65, I got to come back and pull up. Because the energy is just so different. You know, last year we had uh, 3,100 people attend in Orlando. This year so far uh, is about 2,200 people from uh, my sources. So... Um, and it's still climbing. People, you know, are still coming through and signing up and whatnot. So uh, it's going to be another great year to get the inspiration. But for those that unfortunately can't attend, there's always going to be a, another AMEC. So next year, uh, I'm not going to say where it's at because you're not supposed to. But next year there will be another one and it'll be in a nice city. So uh, I look forward to that. Uh, But uh, I'm really thankful for you guys and sharing your experiences and um, definitely representing maps to the highest of standards. I have no doubt and I'm highly encouraged that you guys will be excellent leaders in medicine, excellent medical students, residents and physicians that will continue to uh, propel the field, uh, especially for minoritized individuals, but also for the communities that you continue to service. This in itself, uh, being part of MAPS is is a fantastic thing. And it's something that you're not asked to do, but you're called to do. And I believe that you guys are both called to greatness. And uh, you will continue to live through that. And so uh, thank you for uh, coming on to, to SMA Presents the Lounge podcast. Um, and this is the end of our interview, unfortunately, because I love listening to y'all. Like, I'm getting <laughs> Woo, you know I me mean? but anyway if you want to have more information about maps you could visit snma.org or you can email us at podcast at snma.org. thanks for tuning in family we love y'all one love peace